Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Drivers Meeting Podcast, episode 70. We are back, myself and Matthew Narvaez. We'll introduce him in a few. we got a lot of great stuff coming on the show. We're talking about Road America that just happened this weekend. We're leading into Atlanta. we got Mid-Ohio for the Truck Series. And we got a special, special guest, David Rudiman, on the podcast coming up soon. But first, got to thank our great partners at Bet Online. They continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's Wimbledon Finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online, it's where the game starts. So as I noted, Road America this past weekend, Tyler Reddick, first career win. Um, not Cheddar's wasn't on the car, but the first thing I was thinking of is free chicken tenders. I secured that yesterday, Matt. Got myself some free chicken tenders, tasted pretty good, hit the spot. Um, but, you know, besides the point, everyone obviously was very excited. Tyler Reddick scored his first career win, and he did it none other by passing Chase Elliott, who was the road course king, won Road America the previous year. Uh, so, Matt, we'll bring you in here. First of all, how you doing, and uh, how would you enjoy Road America? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me back. I know it's been a couple of weeks. <laughs> been a yep. little while more than a little while but yeah no i mean i did i enjoyed it a lot uh, xfinity was really good i really enjoyed X- the xfinity race the cup race was okay in my opinion i mean we can get into that a yeah. little bit later i mean there's a lot of grudges i had with the race a little bit but that elliot and reddick battle really saved it and then we got a new uh, first time winner out of it so that was really cool um uh, i think the xfinity race and the cup race for the first time i can remember in a while they really mirrored each other you know what i mean we had like the strong leader Larson was like a little off on the day, but once he got out to a big lead, he can like maintain it. And his first couple laps were pretty slow compared to the 54, maybe even the 16 or the 07. But yeah, they really mirrored each other where Larson was like Elliot and then Gibbs was like, uh, was like Reddick. So, you know, really impressive for Reddick to beat like, a to beat, um, the road course king, as we call chase Elliott in the cup series. And then really impressive for Ty Gibbs to beat Kyle Larson, um, you know, when you're able to make a move on the cup champion like that, and then, but really cleanly as well, like pressure him into a mistake. I think that speaks possibly more volumes than, than just passing him like straight up cleanly. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. he, he, he led him into a mistake. That means that Kyle Larson was thinking in his head that this kid, if I don't, you know, speed up here, he's going to make a move because he's fast, you know, and he knows how to win races and especially on road courses. So, you know, uh, gives his, um, Gibbs is someone obviously to look out in the future. He he finally beat a cup guy straight up. So that's kind of off the, the list here. When will he move to cup? And then Reddick getting his first win, adding in adding him into the playoffs, fifth new time winner this season in the cup series. So really um we can take a lot from the weekend and really the young guys keep winning, right? Like that's the main thing. The young guys just keep winning. And it's really impressive. 
Yeah, exactly. And you noted on, you know, the the grudges that you have with the Cup Series race. And this was something we kind of talked about during the week. And it's something that myself and Tommy Joe talked about a long time ago with this when the next gen cars were first coming along was these road course races like, all right, these cars, um, you know, these new cars, they're meant to handle better on the road courses. But is that going to be a good or a bad thing? Obviously, it's going to it's going to be good for the drivers. You know, they're going to have a better handling car and road courses, better brakes. But as far as the fans, as far as the racing product, you know, NASCAR has been famous on the road courses for races you know the slipping and sliding right because these cars were never meant to go on road courses it's like we were putting oval cars on road courses and now it's like with the next gen car we're putting road course cars on ovals you know this year so you know we don't get as much as that slipping and sliding obviously drivers are still a little bit on the edge but they're not fighting the cars as much really as they are say in the Xfinity race where they're just sliding around. Cause you know, those cars have been the same for years. So we've looked at, you know, I think we've had three road course races so far this year. It's been Coda Sonoma and now road America, and we'll yep. have Indianapolis road course in a few weeks. Um, but the road course racing definitely has been as you know amazing as people would have thought, nor has the short track racing, right. To, two types of racing where it's meant for, you know, a lot of, you know, in NASCAR has been famous for a lot of beating and banging, a lot of slipping and sliding around. So a lot of people have now been hating a little bit on, on the short tracks and the road courses. And yeah. They haven't been the most exciting races. Um, I'm still waiting for the Bristol night race later this year. I'm hoping that'll be a good show um, with these cars. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm definitely curious to see uh, how those cars will race, but yeah, for sure. I mean, you talk about the way that Ty Gibbs fought, you know, Kyle Larson, we had like two, two of those, you know, type of storylines for both of the races this year, right? Ty Gibbs, the young guy, right? Beats out Kyle Larson, beats a cup guy, fair and square to win that race. Tyler Reddick beats Chase Elliott, right? Fair and square in that final battle to win the race. So two very interesting storylines. And just like you noted, that battle for the lead at the end of the cup race definitely saved it. And one thing that I had thought of that I just remembered is like these you know, these cars are more meant to drive on the road course, right? So you think sports cars, right? You think a sports car, you think IMSA and those races aren't too much, you know, slipping and sliding around either. But do you think, you know, the difference is made IMSA, there's a lot of strategy involved, right? A lot of green flag racing, a lot of endurance racing. Do you think it kind of plays into the factor of the cup series racing, having stages? Cause in my opinion, and a lot of people look at it differently. A lot of people really enjoy stages, stages on road courses is a whole nother thing. I thought that final green flag pit stop is what changed the entire race. Like, I think like it just blew it open as far as like, you know, it just adds a whole nother element of strategy, basically. I mean, how quick your pit stop's going to be. And especially with the pit stops now in the next gen cars, like they mean so much. And do you think that's kind of a factor of why the racing isn't as great? Because we got these cars that handle great, right? We're, we're running long races, but they're not necessarily like, endurance races we're not running them straight green we're running we're doing a run and then we're just racking them back up to go yeah that's yeah no you're you're right it is definitely we talked about it we were texting during the race and we were talking about how you know the cars because they're more perfected now um i think i i heard this somewhere i might have been on the on another podcast um of some some nascar guys um nascar journalists and they were saying how the cars are a little more perfect now um and cars are not slipping and sliding like we usually see them xfinity still kind of slips and slides but also those cars are pretty nimble compared to the gen 6 cup cars um you know thinner tire for sure but they are lighter um they're a little more narrow you know they don't have a wide body set so for sure i mean i do think when you compare it to imsa i have not watched enough 
IMSA sports car racing to exactly know. Um, I have watched every year, like the Rolex 24, but not really like a six hours at Watkins Glen or whatever it is, a two hour, 40 minute IMSA race. I really don't watch those necessarily, but I can tell you one thing with NASCAR and the cup series right now, cars are a little bit more closely competitive, right? Cars come from kind of one kit, one box, and you kind of play in that area, even though the more money teams, the underfunded teams have that space from the cars who have a, from the teams who have a lot of money, like Hendrick track house, let's say uh, Pence throw Penske in there, Joe Gibbs, uh, Stuart Haas racing. Those guys can use their money to, up their road course game, but you see Michael McDowell with the equality come into the top 10. We know Michael's very capable of finishing in the top 10 at road courses, but this car has changed that. And he said, this car gives us a chance to finish up in the top five and top 10. So when you look at that perspective compared to IMSA, I know those cars are not all the same. Literally all cars have different bodies. Like the BMW is completely different from the Lexus and the Lexus is completely different from the Mercedes. Some of them are slung back coupes or roadsters. It's just that's how that's how, you know, their kind of racing is. So that also plays a different factor into it. Um, I'm not sure if they have different cut tire compounds in them. So I'm, I'm pretty sure they don't. But I'm just saying if they do, that's definitely another thing. You said strategy for sure. These stages breaks it up into a little a little race, a little race and a little bit of a longer race. You know what I mean? And and then when you look at IMSA, it's just one long six hour race and you got to place your strategies within within there. Um, I think it's also a little easy for us to say that the cup car is exactly like the IMSA sports cars yeah. now, just because there's a few components that are similar. They're really not exactly the same, obviously, no. but there's a lot of components that, you know, there are a few components that are similar. So that's that's kind of why we lend ourselves to do that, to, to think that way. And also the tires are much more wider now, lower camber. Um, Goodyear has definitely made it look very sports car like. So, yeah, I mean, those are good points. I'm not exactly sure on the whole thing. I do think that, you know, the original statement that we both made, the cars being a little more perfected, they're not sl slipping and sliding around. We lost that NASCAR effect a little bit. I think Road America also lends itself to being a lot more strung out because there are, it is a longer track, you know, it's, it's what, like four miles long. So it's, um, it lets guys, you know, who are super good, like Chase Elliott, every lap, every turn, every straightaway, pound away and get away from the guy in second get away from the guy in third and that's what you saw on sunday it was like larson was 17 seconds back to the leader you know so it's um it's it's sad because i really want to see like i didn't want you know the short tracks and the road courses take a hit and then the mile and a halfs go up in in excitement you know like the mile and a halfs have been pretty good this year but the uh the martinsville sucked martinsville completely stank and then we see the road courses. They've taken a little bit of a hit. They're not as crazy anymore. I'm really excited to see if they don't make any changes for the for the road course car anymore. Like when they because I think for the short tracks, like at least in the next Martinsville race, they're going to take off the diffuser, which is yeah. probably a great idea to do that. Um, but if they change if they don't change anything for the next couple of road course races and finish out the year, I'm really excited to see how the Roval will be. Yeah, because I really think the Roval will be a great track because that that's a track you can't get really strung out. It's very tight. There's a couple of elevation changes, especially when you get out to NASCAR turn two ish. So our turn one and turn two or whatever. So yeah, it's um I'm really excited to see how the Roval plays out. The road course at Indy thinking that's going to be like road america man it's going to it's going to get strung out it's very flat um i think it's going to be more or less the exact same thing 
Um, yeah. And then, you know, I think we go to Watkins Glen. I think Watkins Glen, hey, Sonoma for me was a pretty good race. I I enjoyed it. I know the last couple, like that last stint, you know, where, where Daniel Suarez kind of, you know, got out into a big lead. That's that kind of got a little boring for fans maybe, but um, sometimes you get that, you know what I mean? And, and that's a proper that exactly road course race too. Sometimes you get that. So I think Watkins Glen being a, a proper NASCAR road course, you know, Sonoma and Watkins Glen are, are, are our original road courses. So with Watkins Glen, I think we could see a lot, a lot more of a, a competitive race there, maybe because we have a notebook, like teams yeah. have notebooks there, um, thick notebooks. So yeah, we'll just have to see how it goes. I think we'll see a, a bad Indy RC um, and then we'll see a pretty good Watkins Glen. And I think we're going to see a really good rubble race. You throw in the playoffs into that whole situation too. So that's going to be great. I think that's my opinion. Yeah. It's just always chaos. The Roval. I think it'll always be a show no matter what. And yeah. you know, that kind of leads us into talking about like their, themselves building next year's schedule. Right. A lot of talk has right. been about road America. Is it going to come back? Do enough people want it to come back? Me personally, like I think the area, seems great like a lot of people at the track you know me like i can't speak on being there because i wasn't there but a lot of people at the track have been saying hey wisconsin's fan loves loves nascar i mean they're all turning out last year the inaugural event was i thought great you know one of the best weekends of the year for sure um fourth of july just seems like a great tradition to be in road america and i think the track itself is a great racetrack like you know, even before cup went there, I mean, we saw so many great Xfinity series races there. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of great road course races that happens there, like trans am everything that they do there, but it's a really great racetrack, great dynamic racetrack, a lot of different corners. I think it's a great road, a very long one, obviously, but I think it's a great road course and the talk of bringing a Chicago street course in not totally opposed to it. It sucks that we would have to, you know, that they want to recycle out road America and bring that in instead. Like, you know, unfortunately we do have to trade out tracks. We can't have a gigantic schedule. Um, but you know, bringing in, I'm not totally opposed to it just to see how it would go. Um, you know, me being from Chicago, like, you know, being downtown a lot, knowing the city very well, just me personally, obviously, you know, hits in the heart. Like, yeah, I want to see that might be pretty cool. Chicago land speedway on the other hand, obviously a lot more NASCAR NASCAR fans would rather see that come back and maybe it will. Um, so, you know, as far as the schedule next year, then you bring up Indy road course, obviously me personally for the longest time, has just been saying, keep the cup on the oval, right? Keep the cup on the big course. It's run Xfinity on the road course. They already got trucks at IRP. Now they finally did that. Now we just want one more pissing, you know, one more missing piece. Let's bring the Brickyard 400 back. And I think like, I feel like with how the cars have performed on the mile and a half, obviously the mile and a half's like Kansas is way different than Indianapolis, but could that motivate NASCAR to see that racing and be like, okay, maybe, maybe there's a chance it could be a little better um, here on the Indianapolis oval. And that's what I think. I just think the weekend could be nice. Like we'd have the Xfinity on the road course too. And any car, I forget any cars there that weekend too. Like you'd have this big weekend and then you cap it off with cup series, uh, you know, on the brickyard 400. And I've, I feel like I've said that like a hundred billion times, but I want it to happen. And like, do you think that they could make that move? Like, let, let's just talk about the schedule in general. Like a few questions I'll throw at you. Like, do you think road America gets taken off? Do you think it should take off? Do you think it should stay? And then, you know, you can note on, on the Indy road course as well. And what should they, what they should do with that? Yeah. I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk with the Chicago street course. I'll get to the Indianapolis road course after to make it short and sweet. I kind of want to see road America off, not just after this weekend. I just don't think like NASCAR 
it just doesn't look good. I don't know. Yeah. I just really I, don't. I like hope it. they keep Xfinity there. If they're sure. if they're going to move the Cup race, I I really hope they do at least keep Xfinity series there because Xfinity that's yeah. like yeah. an Xfinity series place. Like you know, Xfinity always goes to Road right. America, and even when they did by themselves before, like they had great turnouts. Like there sure. there were good crowds there. The weekend was great. Heck, throw the Truck Series in there too. Let's do an Xfinity little Truck weekend too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and then if you keep the schedule from trucks going to road America to mid Ohio, you kind of have two road courses and the truck schedule can be kind of extended a little bit depends on, you know, teams and stuff like that, but that's for another day to talk about, but particularly for, I'd say, uh, Xfinity at road America. Yeah. But if you're going to take cup to cup to Chicago street course, downtown Chicago, I think you got to bring a support race. You got to show youngsters, you know what I mean? And as much as I, I really like Xfinity at Mid-Ohio, I mean, at uh, Road America, it's more of a, I don't know, it's more of a TV deal for NASCAR, right? I mean, like yeah, how yeah. much, for, in a cup perspective, how much is, how much viewership, which I don't think is out yet from this past Sunday's race, but if it is, let me know. Um, <laughs> I didn't check. But yeah, so if it is, if, if it is a great number, then NASCAR can look at that and it's productive. And, and most likely the Chicago street course deal is already done and the, the schedule is about to be, you know, announced or whatever later this summer. Yeah. So Road America's off or it is, or it's not, you know, it's if it, if Chicago street course is in Road America's out, this is already a done deal. The TV viewership doesn't matter. They kind of already have uh, maybe a, an idea of where that was going to go. So yeah. You know, Chicago Street Course is a great marketing option for NASCAR. It'll get big numbers and if, regardless. Exactly. And if Road America is not superseding those things, it's not. It's just Road America is not working out. You know what I mean? That's going to be the first to go. So I don't really see any other road course that can be off. I've seen people like comment like different things on Twitter and say, you know, it, they just they should just stop going to Indianapolis altogether. Not going to happen. There's more there. There's more NASCAR ties to Indianapolis than there are to Road America. And the Chicago street course offers amazing opportunity. And I think you, for me personally, you have to take your Xfinity cars there too. Uh, trucks, not necessarily. It looked kind of funny down there. If you brought trucks down there, that would be the uh, most you know, awful race. All of, yeah, it would be a, it would be a bad race. So, you know, and now that that's how you would open up the weekend. And if you're trying to yeah. get people, like, let's say the race, the cup race is not sold out and people go to the truck race or the Xfinity race and they're like, okay, let's go see how this is. And then they, they're like, but not buying a cup ticket because how horrible the truck race was or something like that. Let's just say that. Um, yeah. So it's just, um, it's all comes down to a business deal here. You know what I mean? And, and I really like your idea for the Indy road for the Indianapolis motor speedway. The Brickyard 400 is no longer the Brickyard 400 without it being on the oval, obviously. Yeah. And it kind of stinks to see that crown jewel go away. Um, I'd like to see how this car performs on the Indianapolis uh, on the Indianapolis Oval. Um, obviously, I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon. I'd like to though. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I would love. I would like that idea going back to the Oval. The road course excites me. I like more road courses on the schedule. Um, but I always loved like if you if something was a tradition, keep with that tradition. Yeah. Let's see how the new car is. Let's give it a shot. You know what I mean? They got rid of it because it wasn't exciting. Yeah, it wasn't. It was, I mean, I, I think what 2017, right? Or the one that Kane won, that was like the whole worst race of all time. Yeah. Or something like that. So it was like one of the one of the most dooming, like you you just didn't want to go there. Like drivers didn't want to race on that track. Fans didn't want to see it after a couple of years. And you had to spice it up with something new. 
I think the road course was the answer for a couple of years. And I think with this car, this new car, give it an opportunity, put it on the oval and let's see how it does. I know probably they can't be changing it every year, but it would be interesting to see if they, if how it is on the oval, but yeah, yeah. Besides that, um, I'd love, I love NASCAR to do the Chicago street course. I wouldn't mind to see road America going off. And if that meant Xfinity, not going to road America as well, I'm fine with that too. See how the Chicago thing goes. It probably won't be more than a three-year deal. Anyways, head back to road America after if you, if you know, if the Chicago thing doesn't work out. Yeah, exactly. So I, uh, I definitely be, you know, interested to see how the Chicago street course works. Like you noted, it's going to be a big market. It's going to be a big hit on TV yep. deals. We know for sure. Hopefully, you know, hopefully on NBC instead of USA, because I guess USA is. Oh, I definitely will be. Oh, 100%. Hey, can I throw in something real quick? Yeah. I actually was speaking to this with someone else and, and I told them that I would love for NBC to kick off there. I know Nashville is a great place to kick off NBC's portion, but in my opinion, I think if you put Chicago street course next year, kick off the NBC schedule with that race. That's my opinion. You know, that would be really, really cool. Let's get like the TV up, up in like some uh, rooftop, like bar deck area to like introduce the race. Uh, Maybe get some like Chicago music down there or whatever, you know, some, some, so some of the music that's and close to there. Relish Wood could actually be at the racetrack because right City go. View. They wouldn't have yeah. to kick him out because he'd Fantastic. already be in the city. Right. Because I mean, you you were at the national <laughs> race and, and you like you know how it was like um last year on t- on TV, the road of the Nashville race looked electric. Like yeah. that atmosphere was fantastic. This year, through the TV, at least for me, it kind of lost that feel. Yeah. I'd love to see them spice it up with with Chicago. That would be super cool. And obviously. I don't think you would mind it either, considering, you know, your, your ties to Chicago. So yeah. no, I, I think it would just be a really exciting weekend, you know, like to, to kick it off downtown Nashville. You're still at a stadium style racetrack. You know, you're not downtown. Like, you know, they're sending Rutledge yeah. down there, unfortunately, which I don't like. You don't okay. like. I mean, yeah. Anyways, but I would just love to see them kick off their portion of the season there. I think that would be cool. And it's fresh. That's the key exactly. word is fresh. And that's how you fresh. kick off the season, right? What made Nashville so cool kicking off the year. Obviously, yep. NBC's got a great, you know, broadcasting crew. The way they present everything is, you know, very nice. But what made it 10 times better is that Nashville was fresh. It was new. And they and they yep. took full advantage of it. And there were there were a lot of celebrities. There were a lot of big names. I mean, huge yep. names at Nashville. I mean, Michael Jordan, he didn't really – I don't think he was out there for, for the race on Sunday. I didn't see him on the grid. But there were a lot of celebrities out there, a lot, a lot of big names. Um, but as you said, you know, obviously they, they didn't sell out the crowd like they did last year. Um, and that could be said, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Obviously the racing product on the track is good, but right. It's all about the fan experience as well. Right. You know, the whole cooler thing was one thing. It was like 97 degrees at the racetrack. I mean, it was hot. It was hot, man. It was sunny and hot. And you know, it was tough. It was tough staying out there. And I can't even imagine like me being in the garage area, being able to just grab some waters here and there, you know, from teams, get some shade under, under the haulers, you know, guys in the, in the stands. I mean, it must've sucked. It, it must've been brutal. It must've been yeah, terrible. Or, to be you're honest. not used to that weather either. You know Exactly. What I mean? If you're not used to it and a lot of them yeah. really aren't, it's not like they're hardcore fans that are going out to Talladega every single year and, and just sure. you know, dealing with it. Like these are Nashville people that are just kind of first coming onto the scene. And that's why I think having these races, like I get, I get the markets and everything I get, um, you know, I get TV ratings and all that stuff. And and if the race is on NBC, sure. If you want to do that, if you'd rather do it at three o'clock, sure. But damn, like that Xfinity race, like I thought like, man, at least run that at night. You know what I mean? And I felt like the oh, whole weekend yeah, could absolutely. have been run at night, to be honest, in my opinion. Oh, like, it would have been fantastic. Weekend, it would have been great. Yeah. It would have been much better. You would have, 
I guarantee you would have seen a ton of more fans come to the race. Um, yeah. If it were maybe even a better race. Cause know. there were a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even a better race too. Just a day to night transition race. Like, come on, like green flag, six, yeah. seven o'clock. Let's go. Um, right. <laughs> Cause that was a weird start time man. five o'clock Eastern. It was right. Local time. That was the weirdest start yeah. time. I've like, it was, I can't remember the last time I restarted there. Like if it wasn't a rain delay, like that was the scheduled start time it was five Eastern on NBC. I was like, Oh, interesting. So but yeah, uh, well, we ended def- up getting a little bit of a night race, anyways. I completely forget how the race played out. <laughs> yeah, because of the I mean, rain and and what was weird was on the that, eastern side for sure. Yeah, yeah, and if it didn't rain, like if there were no rain delays, the race would have still ended in the bright sun in Nashville. Maybe yeah, not absolutely. bright sun, but like right as the sun was Dusk, setting. So there would have been no yeah. night racing at all. It would have still been scorching hot in the entire race, but it was just starting at five. So I don't know what you know. Obviously, it was probably TV that made him start then. But yeah, just kind of flipping back and wrapping up with this, like. Chicago, Chicago street course would be fresh. It would be new to kick off the season. Everybody would tune in. Um, obviously NBC would love it. And maybe that's what they're doing, right? They're talking about doing it over the summer. Um, obviously NBC kicks off its season right when summer's getting going right at the end of June. I think that would be perfect to get started up and you can run Nashville would still be a summer weekend, right? Just probably push it back a weekend or something like that. Um, and then the other talk I think was making Chicagoland Speedway a playoff race, like using if they were to add Chicagoland Speedway and two using the Chicago Street Course to promote Chicagoland Speedway for the playoffs, I think could be cool as well. Um, you know, it was a great area, um, you know, to have to have a race. Me personally, just going there all the time as as a youngin, it was a nice area. Obviously, didn't draw as well. There's not much around the racetrack. Like if you've never been to Chicagoland Speedway, it's it's a ghost town when you're driving out there. Sure. And a few tracks are like that. Kind of like Homestead a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. There are tracks like that on the schedule that don't have things around it, but still draw a lot better than Chicago did. So hopefully maybe, hey, Chicago street course, they do it. They promote going to Chicagoland Speedway. And when you go to like a street course race, there's going to be a ton of people who don't watch NASCAR or have never heard of NASCAR that are just going to pull up and, and see what's going on. And all of a sudden become a fan. And then maybe they see, oh, they they doing this again and Chicagoland Speedway. And um, whenever the playoffs start September, shoot, let's go. Let's let's buy tickets. Let's go there right now. So yeah, that's their goal, I would imagine. That's just what I think of in my head. If they did two Chicago races, which would be crazy because it was like two years ago, they were kicking Chicagoland off the schedule saying, yeah, Chicagoland market sucks. Not going back there. Uh, let's, you know, destroy the track. And now all of a sudden they're like Chicago, the city of Chicago. Well, Joliet is Chicago and Speedway, but Chicago in general might get two races on the 23 schedule. It's like, well, that's, it's crazy how that all happened, but it could, I mean, could be a product of the mile and a half racing that, that we've seen lately. And I don't know, a lot, a lot of factors go into it though. Yeah, for sure. And it was a pretty track too. I mean, it was, a, it is, it was in my opinion, it's a pretty track. So uh, one more thing on that, it, it would be great to start the season, start the NBC season, the second half of the year at at the downtown Chicago race, that'd be a great commercial for NBC too. NASCAR is back. Uh, we're doing it downtown. You know, it, it, it seems for me like a win-win situation. I hope when the schedule comes out, I doubt it's like that, but that was just a random thought I had this year and this past weekend. And I think that's a great idea. And also if you want to get new, if you want to get new fans into the sport, Chicago kind of opens up that like opens up that TV market as well for people to watch on TV, kind of like the L.A. Coliseum did. 
you can get a different kind of music over there. Nashville yeah. it was just country music. Not that I have anything against that, but you know, there's, there's multiple avenues to be played here. And it's for the people at track. It's for the people that, you know, you show the concert on TV, people that are watching on TV. And then also you said, you know, reigniting Chicago land speedway, which I think is a, it's such a useful track. It's just sitting mm-hmm. there. And, you know, it's not like it's out of, it's not like it's out of style or anything like that. It was a very well manicured track. I think Kansas Speedway is like the nicest mile and a half, in my opinion, at least by TV standards. The grass around the track is beautiful. The The track is very manicured well. It's not very, you know, the, the, the pavement looks good. It's not very worn out. Um, and I think Chicagoland Speedway was almost the same. It's very, very nice track. Where Nashville Super Speedway, it's kind of like a funny looking track. The, the, the grandstands only go like to a certain point on one side and the other side, it's longer. It's just, you know, that's how it's built and stuff, all I'm saying. But Chicagoland Speedway is a very nice, proper track that NASCAR, you know, has there to use, but they're not. And um, yeah, so, or that there's still that idea to turn it into a short track, but in my opinion, that's a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. I think it's definitely not like nice auto club idea. Yeah. 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 Oh, God. Which I feel like it's going to get canceled here. I don't know why. <laughs> I haven't heard anything but, um, about it. So we'll see. But yeah, yeah no, it was, uh, it was definitely like the surface aged right it's going to be aged if we go back there it's going to be aged a few years because we haven't raced there since 2019 yeah 2019 was the last race that we had there so uh could definitely put on a good show so hey about 12 years ago there was a guy who won at chicago land and his name was david rudiman driving the uh, double zero for michael watch great segue great segue. oh yeah (laughs) and so david rudiman he won there about 12 years ago at chicago land speedway um, I think that was the first cup race that I ever attended. Cause I saw a bunch of nationwide races before that, but then I remember that was my first big cup race that I attended. And I was like, God, David Rudman won. Wow. Sick. Um, you know, as, as a little kid, I was expecting like An odd winner. Kyle Bush or yeah. you know, Jimmy Johnson. And all of a sudden it was, uh, it was David Rudman. So that, that was cool to see, but I've been trying to get a conversation with him for almost a year now. And I look back at the last time I texted him, it was like a year ago. And so much stuff has happened from now to then. I was like, man, we're going to kick off this uh, little, you know, we're going to call it like the second season of the drivers meeting podcast here, starting this back up again. Uh, we're going to have some good guests on here. So me and you got the pleasure of talking to him, uh, David Rudiman. We're going to bring him on the show here in uh, just a second. It's been 42 races since the aforementioned rain shortened victory at Charlotte. That's it for you, David Rudiman wins at Chicago. Great run by Edwards also, but incredible run by Rudiman. Mr. David Rudiman, it's so glad to have you on the show today. Uh, thank you so much for being here. And I kind of want to kick it right off a question asking about the dirt side. Uh, you've been so, you know... Uh, invested in dirt racing over the last few years, obviously since your departure from NASCAR, uh, you know, a team owner, a crew chief, a driver, uh, you've done it all on the dirt side. And I was just wondering, you know, as NASCAR starts to transition into a lot of dirt races, the Cup Series is now on dirt at Bristol and the Truck Series has been doing dirt for a few years now. What do you think the biggest challenge is from, you know, I'd say for the team's perspective, converting these cars over and changing week to week, right? One week they're on a pavement track, one and then the next week, they're going to a dirt track. What do you think the biggest change or biggest transition is uh, for these teams as they head into those weekends? Yeah, I mean, you know, you know fortunately for a lot of those guys, you know, NASCAR's got a fairly tight box, so they can't really go too far outside of that in most situations. Um, you know, uh, you know I, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's such a different mentality, really. You know, you, all the stuff that you generally try to do to, to, to make paper cars uh, go fast, 
um, you generally don't do on dirt, you know, and you have the, all the, uh, uh, there's a lot going on in dirt racing, you know, you have, uh, you know, the visibility and, and, and the tracks are changing as the race goes on, which, I mean, we run into some of that with the pavement stuff too, with longer cup races, you know, and, and from starting in day, going into the night, the track changes completely. And uh, you have, but that's just standard issue on a dirt track and it may change three or four or five times during, during the course of the, the race that you, you know, you have to adapt. Bottom weight may come in, the top may come in, uh, you know, very seldom can you run around the middle. Um, it's just, it, it, I think, you know, a lot of, uh, you have to adapt a lot and you have to adjust a lot. And I think that's what makes a lot of the dirt guys, you know, if you've got a guy like, say like a Kyle Larson or someone like that, who's obviously very talented anyway, but if you get a guy that's just used to having to search around to find a different area to go fast, I mean, I think that's an advantage no matter what surface you're on. So um, I think guys are looking at it from, from that point of view. It's like, hey, you know, I, we need to learn to be a little more open-minded and, and realize that we may have to move around more than we used to used to have to. And, you know, there's, you know, guys, guys in the Cup Series are obviously very, very good. And any of those top series really are very good. And, uh, and those guys can generally adapt pretty well. But it, it is a different mentality, for sure, especially for crew chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you think as a driver, there's still some, some tips you can take that like, you know, even yourself that have learned from like pavement racing and different grooves and just, just the longevity of races. Can you take any of those tips, you know, from like pavement racing and use a few of them on dirt racing, just like a racer's mentality? Well, I, I think I, truthfully, I mean, I, the, the, the dirt races that I've, that, I mean, I, have, I don't really watch much racing anymore, but the, the, the races I've seen are, they're generally, um, Number one, if you if you have a windshield in a, in a car, uh, you can't you can't fully prepare a dirt track like it needs to be prepared. Um, you can't overwater it. You can't make it tacky. You can't make it. You know you can't have a track that builds a cushion because um, visibility will be very very tough with the windshields, obviously. Um, so uh, you know the first thing they need to do is, is jerk the front rear windshield out of them, get those guys to tear off the left wheel race, uh, prepare the racetrack like a, like a true dirt track would be, because truthfully. Um, you, what you're seeing most of the time as the race goes on, it gets dusty and it gets very, very hard to swing. You're, you're kind of seeing a, 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 a water down version of the road track. It's not, it's not a yeah. track. It's, you know, it's, it's like a, it's like a slick pavement track. You got to drive them straight. You can't get them hung out very far, um, or you're going to pay the price. And, uh, and that's not, I mean, there, there is a certain aspect of that in dirt racing as well, but that's not true dirt racing, man. I mean, if, if there's a windshield in there and they got to keep the track dry to keep them from getting covered up, I mean, you know, that's that's not, in my opinion, that's not a, a true dirt race. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I, I've been, you know, being watching these NASCAR races over the last few years at, at the dirt tracks. Like I, I always, you know, I'm not obviously a dirt expert, but I look at the way the tracks are like prepared, like the way they prepared, you know, Knoxville for the truck race. I felt like last year when they did it for the first time, uh, wasn't prepared as well. And a lot of people had noted on that this year, they think it was prepared a little bit better. We saw a better racing product. Um, but I definitely feel like, you know, the preparation of a dirt track is probably one of the most important things, you know, as far as like the quality of a race and what you can do as a driver, how many lanes there are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and truthfully preparing a dirt track is, is, is more art than science. Uh, those guys that, uh, in those areas, um, are very, very good at track prep and, and, and Again, they, they know what they're doing. They know all the contents of the, 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 their services, how much of one element versus another that they have in their, their, their surface. It is, again, it's just not dirt. 
you know, it's just not just like throw a surface down and race on it. It's, it's, these guys are constantly prepping and doing things. And in the end of the day, it's still a dirt track. It may get rough, it may get dusty, it may get heavy and wet, uh, depending on, you know, how much rain you get or how much, you know, you know, water they put on the surface. I mean, it's anybody's guess, but those guys, uh, some guys in, in different parts of the country are very, very good at, at, uh, at, uh, preparing those types of racetracks and, you know, it's such, it, it, unfortunately, they, a lot of them seem to take that knowledge with them because a lot of the guys are older guys and mm. they've been preparing dirt tracks for generations. And, you know, they just have a, it's like, it's like being around a, a good chef. You know, they know how much of a pinch of this and pinch of that. And, it's okay. like, and they don't really have any formula written down. They just do it. And that's kind of the way those guys do it. Yeah, for sure. I definitely, uh, it's, it's, it's big in, in preparations of a track. You think a guy like, you know, I, I, the first one that I always saw when I first started watching dirt racing, obviously was Eldora. Cause that was the first one that was like more nationally put on the scene. And, and you think, you know, over time for those, for those truck races, I don't know how much you watch the truck races at Eldora, but you think, you know, they, they had a lot, you know, a lot of work in front of them, a heavy, heavy task in front of them. You think they did a good job? Well, I, mean, I think they did a good job for sure. I mean, I think the shows were well attended and everything has a shelf life, you know, and, and you, know, you get the, you get the, Hopefully this is a dirt track and, and, and everybody's watching and everybody's and then after a couple after a couple races on the dirt, um, you know, people seem to want something different. So, uh, you know, I think they did a good job. They did a very good job. Um, but again, you know, you're, you're, they, they're, they're in a box because they have to prepare the racetrack a certain way, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's not the way they would normally prepare the dirt track. Um, because of the windshields and the things of that nature. So, you know, again, it's like, you're not really turning the, the, the dirt track prep guys loose because they, they have to keep the track as smooth as they can. They have to keep it packed down and they have to kind of keep it dry. And that's not really what they are used to by any means. Yeah, exactly. So it's tough. And like with rain too, like a lot of people, I know like a lot of fans like question like when it rains, or like have a heavy rainstorm in the dirt track. They're like, oh, why don't you know? Why don't you just send them out? But that's usually kind of an issue for especially those kind of cars, right? If it's too wet. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, those those tracks, those tracks are uh, even though they may not look that like it's that big a deal, and those places are extremely slick whenever it's wet. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, you, you have to you have to just you know you just that, that is a problem for sure, and it's it's a problem on pavement tracks too, right? I mean, yeah. if it rains, you know. <laughs> It's, it's gonna, you can't just turn them loose, right? Um, yeah, exactly. But at the same time, at the same time, but certainly a pavement track is a lot easier to dry, uh, depending on the situation. Uh, then if a dirt track seems to, you know, it, it, it soaks in. But you know, a lot of a lot of dirt tracks, coming, they'll take and they'll get out there and they'll pack that thing down as, as as compact as they can get it. So essentially, what they call sealing the track over, which helps the water run off of it not soak in as much so uh, they can get back on it quicker and get started you know get started preparing the track for uh you know racetrack activities and stuff so uh you know again there's there's far more art and science on that stuff but there's a little bit of both mixed in hey david thank you for doing this just wanted to ask you i know you mentioned about nascar and you may not watch too many races but out of the ones you do watch uh, do you like any young driver in particular um yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, truthfully, uh, I've uh, tried to, uh, by design, remove myself from uh, from watching much because, again, you know, it, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like a recurring drug addict. You know, you don't you know, don't go back and and, and hang out in that, with that crowd uh, if you're trying to uh, you know 
trying to get past that again. And, and, and it's not because I'm, you know, bitter and sporting like that. It's just like for mentally, uh, I, if I can't be involved in it, I just don't really want to be involved in it at all. So I don't know. I don't know that uh, there's any young driver that I particularly uh, have heard a lot about or really watch race a whole lot. Um, I know there's, uh, you know, there's all kinds of new guys coming to the sport and, and, uh, and, I, and I don't think I really recognize the sport as well as I used to. Uh, so I'm, I'm probably not the guy, I mean, obviously you can't, you can't, uh, go, you know, you can't open anything or read anything without generally something being said about Kyle Larson and things of that nature. And, and I, I must, that's one thing I do like a guy that can race on any type of service in, in, yeah. in it. So if you're going back in time. The Mario Andretti's, the AJ Floyd's of, of the time period, they could they could race a sprint car race one day and win, and then go to a pavement track the next, driving a full body stock car and win. I, I have always admired those guys that are just very very well rounded drivers, and it appears uh, for the most part, uh, you know, certainly guys like Tony Stewart and, and uh, you know Ryan Newman was always always an open wheel guy first and and, and foremost, and uh, and uh, you know to see what Larson does on a pre-regular basis, racing a late model, then a sprint car, then back to a cup car. That in itself is pretty impressive to me just because of uh, the versatility you have to have. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's, it's definitely, I love seeing the the versatility of drivers for sure. And, and, you know, I know, you know, you haven't watched the sport as much and, and stuff like that, but like, I, I did have one question, like for those dirt races, like you, have you ever gotten a, like a car or text from anyone to do like a truck dirt race or anything like that? Or just would that ever interest you? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it was, there was, there was some talk, you know, especially early on when things started happening because I was kind of known as a dirt guy, um, you know, some, some truck teams, uh, but it, it was never anything. I felt like, you know, we could run really well there and, and things of that nature. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's a, that's, but that is the one thing that you know about the dirt stuff is you don't need your best motor. You don't need your, certainly your best chassis, uh, and all that stuff like that, because, you know, you can't ever hook them with, you know, you can't ever keep them from spinning the tires anyway. So the least amount of horsepower you're better off with really. Yeah. And, uh, so, I mean, it, 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 it would, you know, I had offers and but not anything that was ever what I felt like was, you know, really, really good. I just, I just really, really just, uh, I don't know. It just nothing ever became of it. I certainly didn't shoot it down, but you know, you got to be realistic about those things. Yeah. And, uh, and it was just, it just wasn't for me at the time. So. Yeah, for sure. And I, I got one last question for you. It's about Chicagoland Speedway. And I, I know that was my first my first ever cup race that I ever went to was at Chicagoland Speedway because it was sort of my home track. And you were the you were the guy that took the checkered flag for that race. And, uh, you know, as a guy that that raced there in the past, obviously it went away. There's like some talk about it coming back. I mean, you know, you haven't raced on it in a while, but I always felt like it was track, you know, just because it's my home track. I had a little bit of bias, but but I did like the racing, you know, the racing service, the racing track. Like, do you think it's a track that they should bring back? And did you you like personally? Yeah, I mean, I certainly, I got, obviously, I, I like the racetrack, especially because of, <laughs> the thing went well there for that one race. But uh-huh. um, at, at the same time, yeah, I mean, I, it, it's, it's, uh, uh, it, it is, it is a cool racetrack. I mean, I, I always thought that in the area that it was, that it was in, it would probably draw better, uh, you know, as far as crowds and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, the place never seemed to take off as well as I would have thought it would have. Uh, necessarily not because it's not a nice facility, because it is a very nice place. Um, and, and if there's if there's talk of it coming back, she said, I would love to see that place come back. Yeah. Um, just because it's, it's a pretty special place to me. Um, but uh, yeah, you hate to see any racetrack, no matter what. I mean, there's been racetracks that, that growing up as a young man, 
um, that, that I raced that have, that have that I did not like at all. But and then eventually they get you know sometimes dirt tracks and stuff and pavement tracks for that matter get get closed down, uh, get developed or things of that nature. And you're like, man, I, you know that place was never really very good to me, but I sure did miss it. And uh, so you don't ever want to see any racetrack get closed down, no matter what it is. And uh, I certainly don't want to see Chicago land for multiple reasons. But yeah, that was always a pretty racy place. I uh, had multiple grooves. It's, it's pretty neat. I mean, I, I know it's a it's a mile and a half, so you know a lot of people call it a cookie cutter or hype up racetracks, you know. But uh, it was still a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I like it. I'd love to see it come back. But yeah, anyways, man, I, I appreciate you talking to me today. It's been great to talk to you. And, and you know, hopefully we'll talk again soon. I'll definitely try to try to keep following along with the dirt season. Keep it keep it going. Yes, sir. All right. You guys have a good day. Thank you. You too, man. Crew chief down to Phil Parsons. Rodney Childers, how about win number two? Now, this had no rain involved. This was a full distance, 400 miles, baby. I don't even know what to say, really. Uh these guys did a hell of a job and brought a good car here and uh, I don't even know what to say. You guys did a great job here. You had flawless pit work. Had a little bit of a scare when you talked about a vibration, but you told me you thought that was just low air pressure. Yeah, it went away after a few laps and uh, TRD did a really good job and uh, sorry I'm so uh, emotional, but I uh, really wanted this for David, you know. He wanted to win one on his own, and uh, ever since we won that deal in Charlotte, he really wanted to do it on his own. So, uh, you know, this one's for him, and uh, everybody at TRD did a really good job. Uh, it's nice to have Tom's on the car, everybody at Aaron's, and, uh, man, I don't know what to say. I'd like to say uh, hey to my wife and kids at home. Rodney, by the way, he didn't do it by himself, buddy. So that was David Ruderman. Thank you so much to, to David for coming on the show and talking with us today. Great to talk to him. Great to kind of hear an update of, of what he's been doing. Cause you know, a lot of, there's a lot of people who don't know me personally, just being able to check out his stuff, trying to contact him, you know, find out he's doing a lot of dirt racing, obviously as he's explained and, you know, hasn't like, like when you asked him or you asked him about what his favorite, uh, favorite young driver was. And he, he hasn't really been watching NASCAR, which is kind of like a surprise kind of not because there, there are a lot of you know drivers that used to run in NASCAR who do still watch it and still keep up with it week to week. But I guess a guy like David Rudiman um, isn't watching NASCAR much anymore. Obviously, he did note Kyle Larson. He's a very you know worldwide name at this point, very household name. Um, but it was was it, do you think it was a little surprising to you that David doesn't watch NASCAR really much anymore? Not really. I mean. He mentioned in like the beginning part of the interview where he was like watching some races, like what he could catch. So that's when I thought he may have heard like, you know, oh, Tyler Reddick or Chase he could Bruce be busy, Kill. too. You know, like, for sure. I mean, you know, I mean, like for for him, I don't know exactly what he's doing. Obviously, we, we know what he's doing on his racing side of stuff. But on a Sunday, you know, if he watches a cup race, you know, it's 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 pretty normal to think that a former race car driver that raced in the cup series for many years watched, you know, what continues watching NASCAR. But then I, I also heard, you know, Carl Edwards doesn't watch it much anymore. They've asked him many, many times, like whenever he's had that random yeah. appearance on Fox or something like that, he's like, you know, I just haven't been able to catch a race lately. Uh, I think Greg Biffle low key still watches cup series racing. I'm pretty sure he does. Oh, he races. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I'm saying like on the part-time schedule, yeah. You know, like yeah. on weekends where he's not racing, you know, so yeah, that's true. Um, you know, I know he's doing a little SRX now, so that's good for him. But yeah, I mean, Greg and, and some of these guys that I feel like you're probably more prone to watch racing if you left the sport in the proper way. But if you kind of just got shoved out without a ride, 
you maybe don't watch it anymore. Maybe a little spite feeling, yeah. not saying that David's in that situation, but you know, just saying like uh, any other driver, like Mark Martin, he still watches racing for sure. He's still active yes. on Twitter. Um, he's still into all those kinds of things. So that's cool. I didn't really find it too surprising that he doesn't watch it. I found his answer to be quite good. You know, Kyle Larson, obviously, like you said, he's quickly becoming a household name, yeah. a little worldwide too, where, where you even European racing fans know his name. So, um, and obviously, you know, you have Kyle with the dirt connection to David. So David's going to probably root for a dirt guy. I assumed he was going to pick like Chase Briscoe or something yeah. or Tyler Reddick, you know, dirt guys like that. Maybe he like mentored one of those guys. Not, not maybe followed their whole racing career, but maybe raced against them once or twice or something like that at some, you know, short dirt track kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, it, it didn't sound entirely surprising to me. People have their own lives. They move on from different things. And, you know, if that's where his passion is, dirt racing, ask yourself this, Kyle Larson in 10, 15 years time, you think he's going to be watching every cup race if he's going dirt racing on Saturday nights? I don't think so. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it was, it was good to talk to David and, and one guy that's not on the NASCAR scene anymore that I want to note before we head to the next thing. Ryan Newman got his SRX win uh, this weekend. Yeah. I just thought it was really cool to see because I think he had an interview or he had a segment, I think the week before saying kind of yeah. like the only thing he wants is just to be in victory lane uh, with his family. And he got just that, you know, in the SRX yep. series, which is still a pretty credible win. Obviously a lot of talented drivers. It is for sure. Um, winning at staff short track. Yeah. And I think he's the points leader too. He's been doing good all year long. So now halfway, halfway through the season, he could uh, get that SRX title. Um, but Ryan Newman, you know, just great to see back in victory lane. And that segment that they did air like a year ago, I mean, a week ago uh, showing his Daytona 500 car, I think for the first time, and what had happened like to the, to the seat, the window, um, you know, I mean, we all obviously know how that unfolded with Corey, the joy's car going straight in to the, to the, to the seat of Ryan Newman and him saying like, he doesn't remember any of the crash, but he wants to, you know, keep the car. Cause that's all he'll have uh, of the memory of it, which is crazy. But uh, you know, just all in all great to see him win at Stafford. Me personally, I've been begging for the last like seven months for somebody to put him in an Xfinity car. Like I know he's only going to take like the best opportunity he can get, but like, especially with qualifying being so important Xfinity, like I like what, what's one of those cars. I mean, even like a, like a Dale junior car, like that 88 junior motorsports car, like shoot, just put him in for one race and see what he does. I, I love to see him in a car like that, like ripping around and it was odd. He said he got calls from teams, but not, not the right offer. So I wonder what he means by that. Maybe just teams around the mid pack that were calling him to race. And maybe he just wasn't feeling, I mean, do you think, do you personally think we'll ever see Ryan Newman back in NASCAR? No. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, you would think that Tony would give him a ride, right? Like run the 07, run like an SHR affiliated car. Yeah. I don't know if those guys would like to give up like New Hampshire or something. I think New Hampshire would be a fantastic race for him to race uh, oh, yeah. for that for him to choose that track, I think he'd have a great chance of winning that race. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I think if he ran like an SHR affiliated car, I know, you know, he's in Tony's racing series. I think Tony would, would you know, they, he was talking with Marco Andretti to run some oval races, I think, and maybe some road courses. He was, Marco was interested in both of those. So I think Ryan, I think if Ryan approached, um, approached uh, Tony, then I think that would be a great, a great opportunity and and, and the, the relationship with coca-cola I'm not saying coca-cola is going to sign up to anything major here but hey one race deal coca-cola the sponsor you know get the five car yeah. from get the, five, the number five from um from bj mcleod motorsports and put ryan in at new hampshire 
something yeah. like that. Yeah, I'd love to see something like that for sure. So that'd be cool. Uh, congratulations to Ryan Newman for winning uh, the SRX Stafford. So we'll kind of keep talking about the Xfinity Series here. We'll note back to Road America real quick. There was one incident, one notable incident that happened. The number nine car, no Gregson. Obviously not the first time we've said that. Definitely on this show, you know, talking with Tommy Joe all year last year. There's a lot of things we talked about regarding, you know, Noah Gregson and others. Yeah. Um, but this one had to do something with Tommy Joe, which I would have loved. I would love to have Tommy Joe on the show right now because he would probably rant. He probably wouldn't stop speaking for 40 minutes on this. He would be ranting like crazy and I would love to hear it. I'd, I'd be here with popcorn, listen to all 40 minutes of it. But um, the incident basically was, if you didn't see it, it was uh, no Gregson, Sage Karam battling. Um, I believe how it started. I, I, I don't know who hit who first, but I, on TV, um, I think Sage Karam, I think what I caught kind of in the corner of this battle that they were showing is the final corner. Uh, what, what turn is it? I can't remember how many turns there. Oh, right you go right down turn one and that's turn two. It's about the kink in turn three. I think it's like that kink down the long straightaway. Right. When that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about what, what's yeah. the, the final corner of road America. How many turns are there? I forgot. 14. Oh, five, uh, there's uh, 14 turns, 14. Okay. Yeah, 14. that sounds about right. So just whatever the last corner was, uh, I think Sage Karen went to pass Gregson. Sure. Um, yeah, there. Okay. And yeah. they made contact in that corner. Um, you know, obviously with the um with you know Karam as the aggressor trying to make the pass, made contact with Gregson, uh, got by him. Um, obviously felt like he was the faster car in that situation. Um, they get into turn one where no Gregson then dives back on him, they make more contact. Um and then they go down into past turn two into turn three and Sage Karam dives below him, but he said he got hit from behind. I, I didn't watch the replay enough. He might have, but it looked like a deal where they didn't hit in the middle of the corner, but he got off the corner, started slipping and got into Gregson. Gregson got it in the grass. Both of them settled it out. We're side by side going down to the, uh, the, the famed Sargento sign. And as, as me and you both know, only chaos happens at the Sargento sign, you know, whether it's Forza Motorsports six or, or on the racetrack. So, <laughs> yeah. um, no, Gregson just hooks a dead, right. And he said, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being raced this way. And he hooked a dead, right. On the longest straightaway or one, probably one of the longest straightaway on the track. I don't know if it's the longest, but hooked a right on uh, Sage Karam and wrecked himself in the process. He did wreck Sage Karam. Sage Karam kind of turned and hit the wall Gregson wrecked and at first like it looked like it was going to be fine like all right they just got mad um Gregson spun him out obviously not a good idea but it looks like they'll be fine but then you forget all the grass all the dirt starts spewing up on the racetrack everyone coming down the straightaway um I don't think there's there were any spotters over there either so nobody can see um and that's what led to a gigantic pileup a pretty scary pileup because obviously Brandon Brown was shaken up after um, and I'm sure a lot of drivers were, I mean, there were massive hits. There were cars going airborne, two or three of them, uh, went flying up in the air, but ended a lot of the days of a lot of those drivers running from 10th to 20th. Um, all of them pretty much got wiped out having very solid days. So, um, yep. yeah, definitely Absolutely. interesting to see that unfold. We knew Twitter was going to have their opinions on the incidents. We know Tommy Joe had his, opinions on the incident but first you know we'll get yours or mine personally obviously you know I'm gonna sit here and not want to see an alpha prime racing car get torn up by noah gregson um you know did sage Karam rough him up 
Yeah, I mean, he he made the first move. He hit Noah Gregson first, I believe, unless there were things that were shown, like that word shown on TV that happened. We don't know the whole history. But on TV, Sage Karam hit him first, going to that final corner. Noah Gregson got him back. Sage Karam hit again, whether that was intentional or not. They both, you know, rubbed off the corner. I think it's just the adrenaline of racing. He probably just got body slammed in turn one, so he wanted to get him back. Same way Noah Gregson felt like I should get him back. So they're beating and they're banging typical road course racing. And I'm sure that this type of stuff's happening all over the racetrack, right? I mean, especially in the Xfinity series, those guys are using each other up, um, especially in a truck series. My goodness, they're probably hitting each other every single lap. But, you know, they rough each other up a little bit side by side going to the Sargento sign and Noah Gregson said, I'm done, wrecked him. Obviously, don't think that was very called for um, because, you know, it's one thing to dump, like the, the big thing is it's one thing to dump somebody in a corner. Um, but it's another to just hook a dead right on a straightaway and wreck somebody and, you know, cause a gigantic crash like that. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest wrecks we've seen at road America or road course in general um, at all at, you know, in NASCAR. So huge wreck. Definitely. I, I felt like a little uncalled for from no Greg's and wasn't given a penalty of the race. They said they did call him to the hauler. And I guess they said on Sirius XM this morning that like penalties, you know, could be given out. I don't think they will. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, it was a uh, very, very scary incident. Glad everyone was okay. Everyone was okay. Brandon Brown was all good after the race, just probably had to uh, catch his Recording breath on for sure. So um, definitely, definitely something that we didn't want to see there at road America, but you know, uh, you're, you, yourself, Matt, I know we both watched the incident unfold. We were both watching the Xfinity race. Um, you know, in your opinion, what, what, what were your thoughts on that incident that occurred there? No Gregson. Was there anybody in the right or the wrong, or you think it's just a good old NASCAR deal? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, Noah is definitely in the wrong there. I mean, you were mentioning, you know, your connection to alpha prime and, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to play favoritism, of course, but no. you don't have to be even associated with the team or even like the team. You just don't want to see those kinds of things, yeah, right? I mean, not at all. It doesn't matter to who. It doesn't matter who's doing it either, right? Like Noah is a favorited guy through the garage. I, I even like Noah too because, I mean, yeah. I think he's good for the sport. He's funny. He's act active on social media. Uh, but there's a little bit of immaturity with him in, in the whole racing deal. And I think exactly what I'm thinking has already been said, right? He mm -hmm. has – shown this kind of behavior before it's probably not right for me to say right now but i mean because because he has probably grown a lot as a driver back from like 2020 2021 when he ran into justin allgaier you know to get that win at bristol i think it was yeah um you know that's a teammate right like you gotta know how to treat your teammates against some other guys and then you got to know how to treat guys early in the race i mean this is i know this is this was in the final stage i'm pretty sure uh but the very beginning of the final stage and and considering it's um it's road america you still have a long way to go in the race so what i'm frustrated about slightly is nascar not penalizing him i think there's got to be some little penalization system that nascar yeah, has precedent. to bring in you want to have yeah let's set let's set a president a president and let's show these guys, hey, if you do something completely blatant, you're going to have to go down pit road. You're going to have to park your car on pit road for one minute, 60 seconds. So you're not – so like at a, let's say like an oval, right? You lose a lap, 
but in 60 seconds, depending on that track, you might lose another lap if it's like Charlotte or something, you know what I mean? Let's just say that, um, or a short track or whatever, especially at a short track, you got to watch out because everything is close quarters. So when you're, when you're wrecking people at a short track, it could be more wild and more dangerous because nobody in their right mind is going to wreck anybody at Daytona or Talladega. But at a short track, you can lose two laps if the guys are going around 60 seconds under caution or whatever. So, or go, just go down pit road. You lose two laps immediately. Let's set something in place where if a guy does something that blatant and that obvious, like Jeff Burton noted on the broadcast, this is another problem I had. Um, you know, I'm just saying I'm talking, not talking about Noah too much because everything that's been said, exactly what you said, is pretty much what I believe too. There's yeah. got to be some more maturity in Noah to make decisions, and and he was saying post race that he wants he's sick of getting run over. Well, if you're sick of getting run over, get a little faster, right? I mean, Sage yeah. was pushing the issue because he wanted to pass him. Yeah, Sage probably could have been a little bit smarter. Maybe Sage is sitting here and saying, you know, Sage is a is a former IndyCar driver. He still runs Indy 500s. He's like, wow, I got fenders now. I can push the issue a little bit, you know, or this guy's going to rough me up. I can rough him back a little bit, which is true. You can. He probably feels that freedom, but you also got to know who you're racing. Maybe Noah's a little more temperament than, than the other guys. He's going to, you know, push the issue back if you're going to give it to him. So to go from there, it's like Jeff Burton in the booth. He said, I'm not sure if Noah had a mechanical issue. My guy, we know he didn't have a mechanical issue. It was Blaine as day. That's like uh, like Matt Kenseth saying the tire was going down, hitting Joey Logano. Yeah. He tried to so, give him the benefit of the doubt at first, which was surprising. Definitely. And then and, and once we realized it was once we realized yeah. it was a dead right, then because Jeff Burton was the guy that tore into him after that. Then post race sure. show, yeah. I don't know how much if you watch if you watch the post race show like after Noah's interview when they went back to the booth. I don't know if you heard what Jeff said, but he was like, because Noah in his interview said. I'm racing for a championship. You know, I can't put up right. with stuff like this. Right. And then Jeff Burton was like, all right, if you're racing for a championship, then act like one, act like you are. Like right. he, he, yeah. He went in and in the booth, I was like, damn Jeff. And, and Jeff's been there, you know, just been, especially this NBC booth. I mean, they've seen it all unfold. These guys pay attention to the Xfinity series, especially Jeff Burton, when he had Harrison Burton in there who had his own scuffle with no Gregson at Kentucky. Exactly. Like Jeff Burton knows right. the history of what, you know, Noah Gregson's been through. And so does like Dale Jr., obviously his team owner, but wasn't in the booth that week and, and Steve Letard as well. But definitely just just setting a precedent, like like we like we said and what we both can agree on. Um, and another point that I think was made by somebody throughout the weekend, but sixth place means much more to the 45 team than it does to the nine team, right? Yeah. Like the nine team yeah. is sitting in sixth, losing a position, right? Getting past saying, saying like, damn, like we, we like, this isn't good. We need to, you know, tune this car up better. I want, I want to be up closer to the front towards the 45 is like, Holy cow. We're, I mean, shocked to be in the top 10, but I'm fighting for a top five right now. This is crazy. I'm going for it. You know, it means a lot more to them than it does the nine car. And that's, you know, what maybe brings out a little bit more aggression in Sage Karam. Um, but Sage Karam's like an experienced driver. I mean, he's not out there doing something stupid. I mean, he's a guy that's obviously uh, Indy Lights. He's, the Indy not, Lights. Yeah. he's an Indy Lights champion, right? I'm not 100% sure, but I think, I think that's what is. they said. I think they were talking I about him. I think he is, yeah. He's yeah. won a couple of junior championships here in America. And yeah. Nitro Rally Cross champion, which is very prestigious, obviously. You know, we watched that happen because we were there. Yes. 
Yeah. Nitro Rally Cross champion. I mean, he's done it all. He's a great racer. Obviously, he's racing the Indy 500 countless times, made Indy car starts. Um, and if he's the yeah, Indy Lights champion, then that's you know a great accomplishment as well. Um, so yes, obviously, right. two very talented drivers going against each other. Two very different drivers going against each other there with uh, with different goals. You know, yeah, yeah, but different goals on that day. I mean, uh, like you said, for Alpha Prime, a top 12 is even good in my opinion. That's that's what they would want ideally, right? Like a a top 12 would be satisfiable. And then a top 10 would be fantastic. And a top five would feel like a win, right? Exactly. You know, Noah's just got to be smarter of who he's racing there. If you're running for a championship, then why wreck someone and have the potential to be out yourself, right? I mean, yeah. if he destroyed his car even more, got hit by someone else, I think Noah's he was, he continued racing, right? Yeah, I'm he very, did. He ended up getting yeah. like a top 10, so. There you go. Yeah, sorry. I, made, I just completely bogged that down. I just remember who won the race. But uh, yeah. anyways, yeah. So, like, you know, you – if you're running for a championship, like Jeff Burns said, act like you are. Um, I kind of, I, I say, I don't really like that statement too much only because like Kyle Busch never acts like he's running for a championship or never acts like he's a true champion or a true, true professional. And sometimes like sometimes in his job, you know, like he, yeah. he gets a little ranty, he gets a little baby cryish, whatever, you know, someone wants to say. Noah is fine with being upset. He can scream on the radio all he wants. Ty Gibbs is upset too. You know, you've seen him change a, a little bit these last couple of weeks. He's noticed that he's had to mature pretty quickly a little bit. You know, you're going to win a lot of races. There's going to be a lot of eyes on you. Noah's the exact same way. He's won a couple of races this year and he's going to have a lot of eyes on him. So he's won multiple races this year, right? Just to check yeah. in <laughs> too. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's been a pretty good season for Noah. Those JRM cars are super fast yep. too. So, you know, I don't really know about the whole act like one kind of thing. I'm just saying if you're going to, they always say in racing, if you're going to retaliate against someone, at least keep your car clean. Guess what? He yeah. risked not keeping his car clean, especially with that move. He could have easily broke something on the car. That, that's a hard hit. He, he really did a dead right, like you said, um, and hooked him. So, and it's not like he hooked him in the quarter panel just to spin him out. He kind of hit him like in the middle-ish of the car, yeah, like the middle, to, yeah. like around the C point, C, the C post. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. So he, he spun himself out. He could have risked, you know, losing his, losing a, a good solid, you know, top 10 today. I mean, a top 10 on Saturday. So, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, act like one. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's okay. But for me, it's just like, don't risk the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, don't risk the opportunity of a good top 10, even if you're not even that fast today in the Xfinity series, let's be honest, you know, you're, you're the nine car. You're going to most likely finish top 10 every week, even if you're a little exactly. off because there's only like 13 cars every week that are capable of winning. So, um, or at least spot fast top premium cars. So yeah, to move on from that, I mean, like I said, just to recap it real quick, Noah, you know, there's gotta be, there's got to be some some looking in the mirror. You know, he's got to look in the mirror a little bit, fix himself a little bit probably. This is another incident, and it was bad, right? Like, it's not just like you're roughing up the guy for the win, Dale Earnhardt Sr. style. You're you're wrecking this guy for, what, ninth or 10th? I yeah. mean, I, and the race is not even close to being done, and, and you're getting beat by the 45. Not saying the 45 is a, a bad car or anything like that. Sage is a very, is a very good driver uh, on the road courses, but, you know, take what – Take what you can get. And, um, yeah, just a, a little frustrating from my side of things, also for NASCAR, too. You know, like, let's let's put a penalty system in this kind of thing. We can't be doing that with no with no regards. Why do you think the truck guys are doing what they do, you know? Because uh, they learn from the cop guys, and they know NASCAR is NASCAR. They're not going to do anything. So yeah. that that's frustrating. So, 
yeah, just love to have a little penalty system there. Yeah, exactly. And like, I'm, I'm a guy who, when we got beef in NASCAR, like mostly in the cup series, like, you know, I, I sit back and I'm kind of an instigator, to be honest, in my head. I'm like, oh, For sure. dude, we got some beef yeah. out here. Let's oh, go. I wanted like, we need some tension. So Hell bad. yeah. Oh, I, 100%. I wanted somebody to go beat somebody's yes. ass. Let's be oh, honest. I, sure. You know, I mean, I was hoping it was Sage Karam to go beat No Christ's ass, but he's Sage is a very stand up guy and obviously gave a great interview and just, you know, didn't really know what he was doing, blah, blah, blah. But like, I, I like when drivers have beef. Maybe, you know, when it's settled on the racetrack one on one just themselves like if you tear up a race car going to wreck somebody like that happens sure like if it's just one-on-one mostly you want it to be settled off the racetrack in nascar but when that happens the way it did and noah gregson lets his anger you know wreck you know turns it first of all you know hooks a dead right on sage Karam. that's one thing on a straightaway but you take taking out all those cars i mean it was a junkyard there and it sucks because he took out the teams that he took out, I think were pretty much like almost every one of them were like single car organizations, like, or yes. two car or just not as funded as right. 31, 68, all, yeah. all ind- independent. 68. I think uh, our motors, few our motorsports cars were involved in that, you know, like you noted, Brandon Brown, uh, 48 cars. Well, was involved in that 31, mine Snyder, yeah. 31. And there were a lot of other cars that had damaged the, even the other alpha Josh Balicki uh, got caught up in that one. The other alpha prime car, nobody had anywhere to go. And it sucks. Cause a lot of those team, I mean, that's a big hit for teams like that. And and when they sit back and they realize who started that, right? Because when they all get out of the car, they have no idea who started it. They have no idea what happened. They're just like, well, shoot, we got caught up in a wreck. But I'm sure when they look back, and even Brandon Brown made a tweet about it, when they look back and look at the replay and see how that happened and see who caused it, that doesn't make them very happy, right? And they want their no. bills to be paid for, right? Because that, that's that's a whole car you got to fix up. And right, like cars like the 68, that car ain't coming back. Like the 48 got destroyed. That car ain't coming back either. Landon Castle also torn up. Um, you know, it sucks to see everybody else get collected in your mess. And that's kind of what at Gateway, when Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain were having their feud, Chase Elliott, when BJ McLeod got all pissed on the radio because they almost yeah. wiped him out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what that's yeah. what you fear when you have these types of situations is taking out innocent bystanders in the process. Like even like, you know, when you date back to the famous Phoenix crash with, with Jeff Gordon, Clint Boyer, when yep. that happened. And then they, I think in the process, like Joey Logano got collected in that Eric Amarola, um, few, I think some, one other car maybe was involved in that. Those, those are the type of situations you hate. You want to avoid when you take out instant bystanders. Now, when you see an incident like at Martinsville, when, uh, when Matt Kenseth totally wiped out Joey Logano, yeah, it still sucks, but it is a little funny. Uh, it's a little more better to enjoy because they only, you know, no, it's a only, retaliation kind of thing. So. Yeah. And one car was already wiped out. And so he just felt like he needed to pay back the other car. So we did still not like a great precedent again to set for the sport. And they did suspend him, right? Two races, yes, there, there's uh, two or three races towards the end of that season. So, two, yeah. Yeah. And, and you've seen, I think I saw somebody comparing it to Carl Edwards taking out Brad Kozlowski at Atlanta, where. Kozlowski flipped into the catch fence. There was no suspension for that, no penalty. I think just a talking to, uh, like they did to Noah Gregson, which was odd, which I didn't even remember that totally. Um, if there was a penalty or not for Carl Edwards, but I guess there wasn't for that incident. But no, yeah, just yeah. like you said, setting a precedent, right? Definitely should have been a penalty because, like, 
not that every driver is going to look at that and be like, Oh, well, I'm going to wipe out this guy now. Cause I know, you know, that I can do that. Most drivers aren't because you know, the last thing we want to do is tear up our equipment unless they're getting mad in the race car, but you still do want to set a precedent like, all right. Cause now in the future, if this happens again, people are going to be like, well, shoot, Noah didn't get penalized. Why should I, or why should this car get penalized? If Noah Gregson didn't get penalized for blatantly wiping out half the field. Right. When, you know, he didn't have to, you know what I mean? So yeah, just like you said, setting a precedent, setting a standard for crashing, intentionally crashing. Cause obviously we know is it was intentional. He admitted to it. He said, I wrecked him. Yeah. Sorry for everyone else, you know, caught up in the wreck, but I was tired yep. of it and I wrecked him. It's exactly what he said. Right. So definitely setting a precedent. Um, you know, we, we, we don't have Tommy Joe on the show, um, right now, but we do have a little audio clip here. I'm going to add in uh, an interview from Dustin Albino from the track and he wasn't very happy. I mean, obviously it sets us back. I mean, that's a you know, pretty costly wreck, but, um, I mean, mainly it's just, it's a bummer because of the day we were having, uh, I don't think Sage was really out of the top 12 all day. So, um, that for us was a really big deal. I'm, I'm really proud of the team. Obviously one of the best qualifying efforts we've ever had. And, I don't think Sage is really doing anything intentional, right? I think they were racing and they were racing hard. Um, I think that's a situation where what was a great day for us was a frustrating day for Noah, right? Was clearly they're struggling. They're back there in 10th or 11th, and that's, you know, he wants to be running better than that, and, and I know he's probably frustrated. And, and Sage is racing hard because for us, a top 10 is like a big deal. So I think that was just him taking out some frustration on, on feeling like he was being raced hard for a position he didn't care about, but we. Obviously, we care about it a lot. You had some choice words over Twitter, uh, yeah. you know, directing Dell and, and Kelly and telling them, you know, your opinion. Uh, what do you hope comes of this? Like, like nothing's going to come from it. Nothing, nothing's ever come from it. I mean, obviously, we're on the we're on the wrong end of it. But I mean, I'm not backing away from anything I said. I mean, I'd be embarrassed to be associated with a guy. I mean, he's done this. How many times? How many times is he going to like publicly apologize? And now he's trying to act like he's like a bad dude, like a tough guy. It's like he's hitting me. That's the softest thing I've ever seen. Like I'll tell you what's tough is like coming out here and trying to race with a budget. It's like less than a quarter of what they get, what they're doing. Yeah. So I mean that's that's tough. I mean seeing you know doing this with a five man racing that's tough. You know doing that that's soft. You get out run by a guy for a corner and you feel like he races you dirty and you just hook him down straight away. That's. I mean, I think Sage handled it probably much better than I could have, which is why I'm just so proud to have a guy like that on my team. And obviously, I think they ought to be pretty embarrassed by the guy on there. All right, and that was Tommy Joe, who will not be racing uh, this weekend again uh, for Alpha Prime. He did race the Atlanta race last year, but he's not going to run this year. It'll be uh, actually Sage Karen back in the saddle in the 45 um, or no, I think he's in the 44 Caesar Bracarella is in the 45 this week. So Sage Karam is back. Don't think we'll get any, uh, on track interactions between himself and Gregson, but you never know. Um, but Atlanta super speedway this weekend, we'll wrap up the show. We're talking about this, obviously the new track, the new track configuration, um, made its debut back in March, I believe the beginning of the season, and it had Cup Series, Truck Series, Xfinity Series there all that weekend. This time, it's just Cup and Xfinity as the trucks are in mid-Ohio. Um, you know, I was obviously, I was, like most things, I try to be optimistic about. I was pretty optimistic about the Atlanta races before. I didn't think they were horrible. Like, I didn't think they were awful. Like, like it had already set in that our old Atlanta was gone. And we're not going to get that back. 
Um, you know, we'll see how the track, you know, takes place the next 10 years, right? Maybe that could change. Maybe it could be like a fast mile and a half slip and slide mile. Up. You never know. Don't think so. But that's the only hope there is there. But it had kind of already set in, right? Our old Atlanta's gone. Let's just try to be as hopeful as we can for this new Atlanta that we could put on a show. And it wasn't like your, I thought the cool dynamic of it was it wasn't your average super speedway race. It wasn't Daytona. No, it was yes. It's a lot yep. shorter track. And you saw like slingshot moves going in the corners to make yes. passes. I thought that was, those are really cool to watch. It's a great um, race. It was, it was pretty solid. Cup race is pretty solid. Xfinity race is pretty solid as well. Um, and I thought they were good races. Me personally wish the races this weekend were at night think it makes more sense there these are going to be hot races i mean just like nashville these are going to be some hot races um and i was looking at the weather forecast the other day didn't look very good as far as like weather i think they'll be okay i hope uh you never know if it'll clear up um you never know down here in the south as you know in florida georgia area you never know with weather but i thought the races um the first time were, were fine i thought they were good races very different races obviously the cup series the tire issues we hope we don't have those again this time that's what kind of made the racing a little weird uh because we had a lot of tire issues that caused a few big wrecks um you had an exciting finish with the cup series exciting finish for the xfinity series um two exciting finishes two solid races as well um and i think we'll have some good racing this weekend uh how'd you, you know how do you take in the races from March? I mean, I know we probably talked about it before. I don't remember it too much, even though it does feel like it just happened. Like I feel like the Atlanta weekend just happened. And it's weird that these races are like so close. I think this is the first recurring race we have on the schedule because you're talking about like a four month separation between the two Atlanta races, Wish it was at night, but it'll be during the day, probably be pretty hot unless we get some cloud cover. But overall, I think we'll have some two, two good races. I'm expecting. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think it is the first race that we're going back, first venue we're going back to this year. I didn't yeah. think about yeah. it like that. But, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't really particularly remember too much about the Atlanta races. I mean, I remember the slingshots, like you said, for sure. I mean, there's um, there's a lot that maybe wasn't too memorable about it. I remember the crashing finish with Chris Buescher and a couple of those guys in there. And the 17 car was going around backwards uh, across the checker flag. He reminded us about that in his uh, interview last week, uh, this past weekend, when he finished sixth at Road America. But um, yeah, that made me really not, obviously crashes don't really excite me too much, but um, the slingshots, like you said, you saw kind of like a 90s style uh, super speedway racing where cars weren't necessarily so tight in packs like there was three by three by three but they were still loose you know the cars were kind of maintaining their own speed a little bit it's not like you had to push and shove with the whole pack kind of thing um it kind of gave you like i said that little old school feel and i do agree that um we'll probably see great races again i think maybe even better right because we're going back yeah. you would think that you know with a tr with a car with the car having, you know, already a notebook from the first race, you know, things do obviously as teams learn, you lose a little bit of the competitiveness because one team gets better. One team, you know, doesn't find what the other team has, but then again, this be, be, uh, being a, uh, a draft, a draft, um, dependent race, you know, all about the air and stuff like that. I think a lot of the manufacturers are working together. So, yeah. um, you know, this could be a great opportunity for Toyota to come back. They've been off the last couple of weeks, specifically at, at the road, co road courses. So um, I think, didn't Bell get the pole earlier this year? I think so. At Atlanta, I think so. Yeah. He had a pretty yeah. fast car, too. He's up there right at the end. Yeah. Hamlin and Truex all started in the top five, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Did, Bell right? got penalized for the yellow, uh, yellow line rule. I think they said he passed below on the back stretch. That's the right. Yes. 
Yes. And he finished uh, last on the lead lap. Yep. Or was that Chastain? It, it would try, he tried to no. pass Chastain. Yeah, he tried yeah. to pass Chastain. Yeah. 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 So I think we could see, very, like, I, I say we bet money on it. Jeff Gluck's uh, good race poll will be quite high, especially if, yeah, you know, like the, so. the, the Dawsonville kid wins or something like that. Chase gets the checkered flag. But yeah, I mean, it also this is a great race. Michael McDowell can put another good points finish in. Bubba Wallace can get up there. You know, Austin Dillon could potentially be up there. I think Austin was running pretty good in the in the race earlier this year. Like he was up there yeah. at some point. So Eric Jones could be another player. I think Jones ran pretty well uh, in March. I want to say I don't know where he finished, but I remember him yeah. being up there. So I think there's a lot of new players um, that can come into this weekend and perform pretty well and maybe lock themselves in the playoffs. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited, especially for trucks in Mid Ohio as well. Um, if you don't mind, I mentioned, uh, that I'm covering yeah. trucks this weekend for, for Toby Chrissy.com. So that'll be, uh, a good time. I think, uh, this would be, yeah, this stuff would be my first weekend, hopefully of many. So, um, yeah, yeah really pumped to get that. Well, we got yeah, on lock, truck. Cause I got Arca. So we're, yeah. me and you are basically doing middle. Ohio. There you go. Oh, yeah. yeah. Simple kind of one, two day show. I'm looking at the schedule here now. Arca race. Yeah is that uh, on Friday, Trucks gets most of their stuff done on Friday, then has a quick race on, on Saturday at one thirty on FS1. So, yeah, really pumped for that. Arca races is on FS1 as well, so that's cool. Beautiful. Yeah, so it should be a good – it's a good weekend of racing, right? I mean, I don't feel like Trucks is all by themselves at Mid-Ohio, right? Hopefully, you know, Fox puts some good TV coverage into it um, in Ohio. Two weeks in a row because we just had IndyCar there, so – yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, really excited for the weekend for sure. Ready to uh, embark on to get into this weekend for sure. Yeah. And one thing that I wanted to note too is like Atlanta feels different. I'm kind of excited to go into this weekend because like it's been since May 29th, the Coke 600, since we've had like a mile and a half racetrack, like a, uh, a higher speed racetrack. I mean, we've been to Gateway, Sonoma, and then we took a week off, went to Nashville, went to Road Course at Road America. So it's kind of fresh, I think, heading to a, a higher speed track. You know, the Xfinity car is going to be real fast going around there. You know, the Cup Series cars are going to be fast. And it looks real fast, too, because it's a smaller racetrack. And so it looks like those yeah. cars are flying. So I, I think adding that dynamic in For is sure. going to be cool. Like you mentioned, trucks and ARCA in Ohio is also cool as well. Thank you to everybody making the ARCA schedule for making the ARCA race on Friday. That is nice. I can enjoy Xfinity on Saturday. Thank you very much. Um, so appreciate that. Um, but as far as the weekend, yeah, only qualifying for Cup and Xfinity. They decided to scrap practice uh, because we had it before. They're just doing – they're going to send them out one lap qualifying runs just like, uh, just like before and uh, no practice, and that's what we're going to get. So we'll just send them out of the racetrack and see what happens. Um, as far as we can kind of just start heading in the guys we want to watch guys want to watch for this weekend race picks. Um, me personally, I'm going to look at guys below the bubble in the cup series. First off that maybe can make a jump here. Guys that are looking to make something happen. Like you mentioned, Eric Jones was a guy who was fast last time we went to this track, Austin Dillon. This seems like a place Austin Dillon could make something happen, right? Fresh off an RCR win. But you know what really could happen this weekend is a Justin Haley victory. This just seems like oh, a I like Justin that. Haley win. Yeah. Like this or Daytona. It's either going to happen here or Daytona. And you know, you know a Justin Haley victory just comes out of nowhere. And this is where it could happen. And I mean, Ricky Stenton, there's so many players in this Cup Series. Yeah. Like 
RSJ I look below the cup, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., uh, Bubba Wallace, always strong on these types of racetracks. And somebody that's probably looking at this weekend is somewhere that they need is Brad Keselowski, who's been in a must-win situation since like literally the beginning of the season. Like he's been in a must-win, needs this race to go right for him. Um, Had a better weekend at Road America, like even though they had an issue towards the end, they had speed. Like the RFK cars in general have been having speed, which has been nice to see. Um, so Brad K probably hoping this yep. weekend goes a lot better. Those are the guys that I'm watching. Is there anybody in particular looking at the cup side? Yeah, I like Brad K. I didn't even think about Brad Kozlowski. I mean, those RFK cars have weird speed, right? Like they yeah. show up to a road course and they're fast. So, uh, yeah, um, I think, you know, I think Austin Dillon is a really good one to keep in mind. I think Michael McDowell could be up there, you know, like I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Ricky Sandhouse Jr. is one that I always like to pick at a road at – a, at a, a super speedway race. I think he can be really quick here too. Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of like the, op- the option of Harrison Burton too. I feel like he's been riding a little bit of momentum. He's been running up, a, he's been running more consistently up front, maybe finishing mid pack uh, up front, which I mean like 15th, which is pretty good from where he was coming from. I think uh, at Daytona, he performed well. The Fords, I, I think are going to probably be really fast this weekend. I think they've been yeah. safe. They've been saving some stuff for Atlanta. And I think they're looking pretty good. So um, give me – so you picked Justin Haley, right? Oh, I was just saying for some – I mean, I could. Oh, uh, okay. If I'm going to make, like, my race pick, race pick, sure. um, yeah. I'll go with I'll go with Ryan Blaney. Okay. Yeah, that, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. That's a really good one. Um, you know what? I usually like to, like, just go crazy on these picks sometimes, but I won't this time around. I mean – uh, Ryan Blaney's good. I probably would have chose chosen that. Uh, I'm gonna go for um. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for Chris Buescher. Yeah, I like. Yeah, he's been riding the momentum, and I think the 17 car is gonna be fast this weekend. And I think he has a lot of fast forwards up there to help him out. So if oh, yeah. he can just be up there at the end, like the drivers always say, and just finish it off, and and I think if he's up there at the end, yeah. he can be really be a be a good pick yeah exactly so now on the xfinity side you have a bunch of guys where it's really it's must win situation if you're below the cut the closest guy pretty to the much cut line is anthony alfredo and he's 72 points back of uh, of landed castle so you got guys below the cut that are definitely capable of winning a race like atlanta or daytona like guys that you know we talked about this xfinity series season you know, you have guys below the cut that could win a race that aren't like racing for super underfunded teams that don't have to like stay in the back. Uh, as far as these races, just looking for good finishes. Like these are teams that want to go out there and win. You got Anthony Alfredo, Brett Moffitt, Brandon Brown. I mean, he did it. Brandon Brown did it last year. Jeb Burton, Sheldon Creed, Sheldon Creed for sure is the big name that you look has had horrible luck this year um, below all three out motorsports cars and the point standings, even to my Snyder. And then the other two cars in the standings being Alex LeBay and Jeremy Clemens in the top 20 that would be eligible for the playoffs if they were to win. So as far as like a race pick for Xfinity, I think it's going to be a great race. I think it'll be a very dynamic race. Interesting to see how it goes. But I think somebody that's looking for victory lane, I'm going to just go somebody, go with a, a new winner to, to stay with the trend. I think I, I think this is a race like a guy like Daniel Hamrick has to win um, to get a victory. His first win of the season. Uh, honestly, I expected more from that team this year. 
Uh, I really did being the defending champions. I thought that championship win would have gave him a lot more confidence. Maybe it's just meshing with colleague. I think it is definitely a big switch going from Jogo's race into colleagues. Maybe got to get used to things, even though he was with the Chevy camp for a while before you would have thought it was just kind of like going back home. Um, but maybe still trying to get things figured out. But I think this is a race that definitely Daniel Heimer could end up in victory lane with. Yeah. I'm going to keep in the Chevy camp on that one too. I think, um, I do like the choice of a new winner. Um, I'm going to go first time winner, Sheldon Creed. Ooh, that's I know that one's out there, but it's something that needs to happen. Uh, Austin Hill finished third at, in the Xfinity race there last, uh, earlier this, earlier this year. I remember that. And he won Daytona. So those cars are fast there. And I think Sheldon's going to put all the crap that's happened to him the last couple of weeks behind him and get a win here. Yeah. No, I, I definitely could see that. I mean, Sheldon Creed, that's a team that has like top five speed sometimes some of these weeks. Yes. Just can't finish the jump. And it, and it really sucks because this is a season uh, yeah. that you really thought, um, you know, would have been like a breakout year for Sheldon Creed coming up from trucks and rookie year, but maybe just a lot of things to work out and just races in general. I mean, they've had the speed, just hasn't worked out. A lot of, a lot of crashes this year, a lot of some mechanical failures here and there as well. Um, same thing happened in road America. So they're, they're definitely looking for something to get out of this terrible season that it's been. So uh, we'll go from there. We'll, we'll go to the, we'll finish off with the truck series here. I mean, we're going to mid Ohio, just a few races before the playoffs, um, a road course that the truck series hasn't been to, I believe uh, ever. So it's going to be a very interesting race to watch. You've got a lot of truck drivers that'll be running the arc race to get some extra laps. But as far as my race pick, uh, I think this is a race. I think he'll finally break through. I think Carson Hosevar wins this race, um, gets the job done. Finally um, was very fast at Sonoma, surprisingly, um, even, you know, with his, with his given injuries um, and then had to, you know, obviously crash and qualifying had to start from the rear, gave the car up to Daniel Suarez. Um, but I think this is the race. I think Carson Hosevar pulls through at mid Ohio. That'll be my race pick. Okay, good. Yeah, I thought you were going to take mine for a second. I'm going to go ahead and say that these two guys are going to be racing at the end of the race, Carson and John Hunter Nemechek, and I'll go for the number four car, for number four truck. I say JHN gets the win. He's doing Venturini this weekend yep. with uh, running the ARC race with Venturini Motorsports. So I think that uh, number four Toyota is going to be really quick. I say Nemechek gets the win. I think Nemechek and Hosovar are going to be dueling it out at the end, truly. Oh, yeah. And I, uh, I think that'll be a great finish. Could be. Yeah, I think it'll be a good race. I'm optimistic for it. Mid-Ohio's good track. Uh, IndyCar race wasn't that bad either. Obviously had a lot of drama, but IndyCar race is pretty solid. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a great weekend of racing. we got Super Speedway racing, two races on a Super Speedway, and then we got Truck Series and ARCA, two races on a road course. So a very dynamic weekend, um, if that's what you're looking forward to. So uh, try to look at exact timing here. I know the truck race is probably before the Xfinity race. Yeah, truck race, 1.30 p.m. Eastern on FS1 on Saturday. And then the Xfinity race is five o'clock Eastern on FS1 or no on USA on Saturday, uh, which like could be another day to night transition race. Maybe starts at five o'clock uh, local time. So could be interesting to see that race because that race went into night uh, earlier this year as well. And then you have the cup, yeah, the cup race three o'clock on USA on Sunday. I think rain is going to be a factor looking at the forecasts. Uh, it's supposed to cool down this weekend because of the rain. Um, other than that, the whole week, it's looking like it's like 90, it's like lower nineties right now in Atlanta, but it, it says it's supposed to clear off because of the rain, I guess. Um, so hopefully the rain stays away, but hopefully we do get some cooler temperatures. 
Um, either way, hopefully we get some racing in this weekend. Hope the rain's all good, but Atlanta, mid Ohio going to be a fun weekend, Matt. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't be NASCAR if there was no rain. So <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you know, so yeah, no, it's going to be a great weekend. Thank you for having me on again. It was, uh, it's great to kick off kind of the second half of the year here on the podcast and, uh, thank you to everybody listening and, uh, thank you for having me again. Exactly. Exactly. Going into this uh, second half of the year, well in gear, getting ready for the playoffs. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Thanks to the Believe Podcast Network, Bet Online, TobyCruz.com, Mama Media, everybody who helps out with the Drivers Meeting Podcast. We're back. Thanks to David Ruderman for being a great guest on the show. We'll be back next week. I'm For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.